Hello there, I'm Jamie Adams. And I'm Ian McAllister, and this is Brainwaves episode 86, bringing you the best in tabletop gaming news. These are the headlines for the week of the 15th of November, 2021. You say goodbye, I say aiello. Mike Selinker accusations. And Netherlands Game Awards are announced. All this and more on this episode of Brainwaves. French board game publisher Aiello is severing ties with its American arm, Aiello USA. In a statement, parent company Aiello said it has decided to rethink the distribution of its products Aiello and Loki in the United States and Canada. Consequently, through its legal advisor, they terminated the distribution agreement effective December 31st, 2021, which authorised Aiello USA to distribute Aiello products in the United States, ending any collaboration with Mr. Stephen Brissoud, COO of Aiello USA. Aiello reserves the right to communicate at a later date on the reasons which led to these decisions. Aiello was formed in 2004 by Serdique Balpe and Patrice Boulet. Aiello USA is an LLC formed in Las Vegas in 2012. It's quarter-owned each by Balpe, Boulet, Brissot and the French company Aiello. On the announcement, the Aiello USA website was shut down except for an email sign-up form to be notified when new announcements were made. That's still the case at the time of recording. Now, Brissoud was recently re-elected to the board of Gamma, which is the Game Makers Association. In 2018, he was censured by the board over an altercation with a member of security that saw his expulsion from Gen Con, which I believe we may have covered previously. His continued presence on the board led to multiple resignations at the time. Aiello said the following when contacted by the site Dicebreaker in regards to Mr. Brissoud being the reason for the split. It contributed, but it is not the only reason. Many other elements comforted our decision, and recent Mr. Brissoud's activities forced us to make a quicker public announcement than expected. Legal advisor addressed a list of inquiries to protect Aiello and Aiello shareholders' interests, and are now requiring full compliance with Mr. Brissoud in best delays. Listen, I'm going to engage in speculation, okay? I'm just saying this straight up front. It contributed, but it's not the only reason. But you've no idea. We've no idea what percentage it was him. Yeah, reading between the lines, I think we're going to hear more about Stephen Brassard over the next couple of months. Uh, it sounds like there's more to come out. He was re-elected to the Gamma board amongst some controversy with the election and gaming goat, and we reported on that in a couple of casts ago. So I. I think there's going to be more coming out about Stephen Brissard. That's reading between the lines and massive speculation, as Jamie says. But yeah, that's the vibe I'm getting from the announcement. But again, like we say, that's speculation. Yeah, it's a good company. Let's see what happens with its uh, US and Canada distribution. Indeed. Well, I don't know if it's a good company. I like some of the games it's put out. Yeah, King of Tokyo, big, big fan of. Yeah, Biblios, big fan. And talking about white men being horrible in the industry, on Thursday the 11th, an article was posted on Medium by Gabrielle Welding, formerly of Lone Shark Games. In it, she detailed the mentally and emotionally abusive practices of the then-head Mike Selinker and how Lone Shark was a toxic workplace during her time working there from 2011 through her first leaving the company in 2016, then her final leaving in 2019. Her statement details a series of issues she faced from Selinker, including having to bear the brunt of his issues with anger at clients or employees, her and Lone Shark employees being regularly belittled by Mike, which negatively affected office life, and being deemed Mike's developer or Mike's assistant in front of clients or on official social media posts, to name but a few complaints. 
She also discusses how Mike's online persona as an ally with his diverse hiring policy and a standing up for marginalized communities seemed to inure him to a lot of criticism of his own behavior with, but Mike's a nice guy, or words to that effect. On 12th November, Mike Selinker responded to the article on his website with a post entitled Apologies and Steps to Be Better, in which he said he has taken a leave of absence from Lone Shark and social media and won't be involved in employment decisions. We're not going to dwell on this too much in this cast. We're going to obviously bring you updates if anything more comes out of it over the next couple of weeks in the next cast. But I would like to say something about the pattern here. Over the last couple of years, especially especially over 2020, we've reported on a lot of abuse inside game companies and people coming forward, mostly women, coming forward to say the sort of conditions they experienced with inside games companies and how terrible it was and the individuals involved. And what happens a lot of the time is that white men who know these people say, oh yeah, that guy, yeah, I'm not surprised. Why, why did it take you so long to say something? What we're getting here is the abused or friends of the abused are having to speak out and it should really be our job as white men who know what's going on to step up and speak out. We would, if we knew someone in the industry doing this kind of thing, we would absolutely speak out. But it's getting to be a bit of a pattern and a little bit exhausting to see people go, oh yeah, yeah, I'm not surprised that this guy, this has come out about person X. We really need to do better, folks. As regular listeners know, we like to deal with the difficult stuff at the top of the cast. Uh, So let's get on to things that are a little bit less troublesome. Jamie, a new prize award that we weren't aware of. Yes, I I must apologize. I'm failing in my duties right now to keep abreast of the multitude of awards. I thought the award season was over, but that's just the English language awards. Uh, You know, that's my stupid Anglo-centric head right now. But a new award, the Dutch Games Prize does pretty much exactly what it says on the tin. It's a prize for games published in the Dutch language. It's divided into three categories, family, connoisseur, and expert. Now, family suitable for large audiences, including children from about eight years old. Connoisseur is for those with a bit more playing experience. And expert is for those who like a bit of a challenge. Now, the winners this year are, uh, for the family game, it's Q-Birds from Stefan Alexander and artist Stefan Alexander, published by Game and Biz which was first published in 2018. The Connoisseur was won by It's a Wonderful World, designed by Frédéric Gérard, art by Anthony Wolf, and published by Geronimo Games, which was first published in 2019. And The Expert was won by Everdell, designed by James A. Wilson, with art by Andrew Bosley and Dan May, published by White Goblin Games, first published in 2018. Why am I including the publishing dates there? Well, you may have noticed it's 2021. May have noticed. Time has no meaning anymore. And it's worth noting also that all the publishers we mentioned there are not the original publishers of the game. They are the folk that have the right to publish in the Dutch language. Yeah, as Jamie said there, we've included the original published dates there because we found it a little bit interesting how long it was taking uh, some of these games to reach the Dutch language and therefore be considered for prize awards like this. And yeah, just to, 
a reminder that how long it can take to for that process to happen. Uh, it's good to see that it does, but yeah, it does take an awfully long time to to get across a couple of years in the or two two to three years in the case of all these games. Uh, yeah, and as I said at the beginning, well, I wasn't really aware of you know the Anglo of games prizes that weren't exactly in the English language. You got to remember that so many games are published in English. There are a lot of people who English is not their first or indeed second or maybe third language that you'd like a game in your own language and it might take a couple of years because, you know, pardon me, the domination of the English language market. It's why we see a lot of games with um, as many language independent components as possible, especially Euro games have that so that basically just rule books can be translated and the game can be reprinted relatively easily. So that's why you see a lot of that in the board game industry. Now it's time for the rest of the news. On Friday the 5th of November, Diamond Comic Distribution and Alliance Game Distributors were hit by a ransomware attack. Uh, Ransomware attacks are when hackers attack computer systems and basically ask for money in order to free up those systems again. Both are US-based distributors, though we believe that Diamond also operates in the UK after we saw posts from Big Dog Books in Perth, amongst others, warning their customers about the situation and the delays it may cause. The attack took down their website and affected orders and communication, and law enforcement was notified of the attack. On Sunday the 7th, a communication went out from a company helping with the recovery. Our IT department and a team of third-party experts are working around the clock to address these issues and restore full operations. Customer information was not stored on the network attacked, and the company is working hard to continue to ship products and fulfill orders. An update was posted to business site ICV2 on the 11th of November. Both companies have now partially recovered and both websites are back up and the companies are shipping new releases this week. However, delays may continue for the foreseeable future while they get everything up and running properly again. Jamie, it turns out the cards are so valuable they're up for heists. Yeah, they're they're almost marching out the door, but maybe not the way they want to. I mean, we talk about cards a lot nowadays. Magic the Gathering, Yu-Gi-Oh, Pokemon, predominantly Pokemon. Uh, and we've talked about how they're, they've already been the target of thefts, but uh, there's been a string of robberies across the Midwest United States targeting game stores. Now, three of these were in the St. Louis area, including Realms of Gaming in Troy, Illinois, Game Night in Marlboro, Missouri, and Yeti Gaming in Crestwood, Missouri. The culprit, Nicholas R. Garrison, was arrested as he was trying to sell cards he had stolen from these shops and was charged with burglary, theft, and criminal damage to property. He was caught as a result of the license plate reader cameras recently installed in Troy. The investigation involved law enforcement in at least six cities. Burglaries were all focused on high-value trading cards for Magic the Gathering and Pokemon. Realms of Gaming said over $100,000 of cards had been stolen from them. And before you ask, no, we don't know what cards were stolen. No, indeed. There was a picture with the article, but I don't know if it was related to the cards stolen or not. Yeah, cards becoming so valuable that, um, yeah, people are stealing them and trying to sell them on. Of course they are. Wow. This is, this, is, this is big money. We've been covering this for a while. It's big money. There's going to be more crime. And now the generation that's, you know, that grew up on Pokemon cards, my generation, I was going to say your generation, but you're a little bit older than me. <laughs> Thanks. 
I said, oh, I said just a little bit. I was being serious. But now, you know, we're apparently adults. Realize this stuff is worth a lot of money. Nostalgia yep. is a powerful motivating factor, especially when money is involved. Speaking of money... Yes, all the following is from a post on BoardGameGeek from designer Keng Lung Yao on the 12th of November. Keng and his significant other, as he puts it, are the designers and publishers of Three Kingdoms Redux and Race for the Chinese Zodiac. In August 2016, they entered into an agreement with Berserk Games, the publishers of Tabletop Simulator, to create an online version of Three Kingdoms Redux. As part of that agreement, there were to be quarterly sales reports and settlement of royalties. For the first year or so, everything seemed fine. Towards the end of 2018, responses from Berserk Games started to slow, invoices and settlements also slowed. Payments were eventually resolved, so the designers let it slip. However, things got worse. Into 2020, responses were sparse and payments were being delayed for three months or more. The situation did not improve in 2021, and as it stands, the last payment the designers received were for the last two quarters of the previous year. The designers have been emailing the business address provided for Berserk Games and have also contacted the president of Berserk Games directly. In the comments below the post on BoardGameGeek, there are promises from folk involved with Berserk Games to get the situation resolved quickly. But it has also emerged that it seems that Berserk do not have an automated system for dealing with royalties, which seems kind of astonishing to me. I don't know what I want to say about this, really. It's been resolved, which is... Well, it's apparently being resolved, which is uh, at least, you know, at the very least, something. But it's something to be aware of when it comes to digital distribution on platforms such as Tabletopia, Tabletop Simulator, or uh, Board Game Arena. Now, obviously, we cannot speak about all of those companies as a whole. This is one story, but it's still a story that maybe shouldn't have happened. And maybe the onus is on Berserk. And the fact is, one of the hangovers from the pandemic is going to be that digital board gaming platforms are still going to be popular. I think there is no doubt about that. This may hopefully set a precedent going, pay your freaking monies, pay your royalties. Yeah, I, I agree. It's, it's worth remembering if you're, if you're going to license your board game, I'm sure some designers that listen to this cast, then be careful about who you're signing up to. And it's also worth remembering that Tabletop Simulator has legitimate games on it as in this case it's got a licensed game on it but a lot of the games on tabletop simulator are not licensed by the publishers or designers of those games we use tabletop simulator a lot we do but yeah it's still worth remembering that a lot of the games on there are not licensed jamie we're looking a bit more at sustainability in games on the cast and website i live in glasgow which as you may have read on the news or heard on the news or indeed just been aware of is the center of the cop 26 climate change meeting conference thing which so far has done absolutely the rest of this has been removed due to jamie violating the giant brains stop being so political jamie clause and anyway it being cop 26 has got us thinking about sustainability in games and more needs to be done because we are a luxury hobby as we've said before and we use lots of cardboard which you know is not exactly environmentally sustainable unless it's got some certifications and plastic is certainly not that environmentally sustainable but hopefully in what's hopefully going to become a regular segment on this show we'd like to draw attention to companies working hard to make 
our board games and our hobby and our industry more sustainable. Now, there's a new company on the scene called Postmark Games from designers Matthew Dunstan and Rory Muldoon. Now, this studio... Now, there's a new company on the scene called Postmark Games from designers Matthew Dunstan and Rory Muldoon. The studio is focused on releasing print-and-play games that are more affordable and accessible to players. Dunstan said in the article on Dicebreaker, thank you to the fine folks at Dicebreaker for this interview, the pandemic and climate crisis has exposed some of the difficulties in traditional game publishing and distribution. At the same time, there is a new need for smaller games perfect for sharing in different contexts, whether in person or virtually. Now, you can sign up to be notified of when they launch on their site. This is, I, I don't know what you think yet, I think this is excellent. And yeah, it's time that this, idea. I miss our sadly departed co-host. He's not dead, he's just, have, <laughs> he's, he has a child. Uh, Ian Chandler, because his sustainability and board games project, which you can find on Twitter, and you can find on his website... We'll link to that in the show notes. And uh, I'm still working. I've said I'm working on a page for the Giant Brain that's going to be highlighting companies doing this kind of work. Uh, I'm still working away on that. Uh, and I hope to launch that by the end of the year. And I'll be updating that regularly with information as we get it. It's going to be full of like information about companies that are talking about this kind of thing and actually producing games that are sustainable. And yeah, I think like pr- sort of print-at-home games, I think, might be a future for some publishers. We've talked about this before, and I've talked about it in articles before. The rise of 3D printing. I know that's plastic, but you don't have to ship it at least. And, you know, printing boards, that kind of thing. As, as that becomes more viable as, as a way to produce a board game, then yeah, I think we'll see more companies jumping on board that. This was not just a long-winded article of trying to plug Ian Chandler's stuff even more. There is a legitimate, you know, there's a legitimate yeah, crisis that we're all facing. Uh, it just happens concern. also, our friend Ian. So we are stating our conflict of interest, if there is one, right up front. we'd just like to take a wee moment to thank all our patrons for their continued support especially james naylor of naylor games who's the designer of magnet and has been on the cast a couple of times as one of our executive producers and sean newman who's another executive producer we'll link to all of sean's bits and pieces in our show notes Uh, you can join them for only one dollar a month to get an extended version of the cast access to exclusive bits and pieces as we put them out a forward thinking post that shows what we're up to in the coming month we put out every month for instance and you, uh, if you'd prefer to get some nice merchandise for yourself instead of supporting us on Patreon, you can also get some nice dice from Metallic Dice Games. And you can get some merch, lovely t-shirts to support us on the cast from Sir Meepo. We get a healthy cut of both of those. Uh, so we'll put links to all that in the show notes. Jamie, get your motor running. Head out on the highway. Now strap on your helmets and rev up your four-stroke engine because it's MotoGP time. Sorry, I read that wrong. Um, it's Monopoly time. Oh, I'm less interested. That's not as good a, a one as you say goodbye, I say ALO, but uh, I tried. The legendary motorcycle championship MotoGP comes to a table near you. Now, only one of you can actually play as a motorcycle, the other playing pieces being a helmet, racing boots, a tyre, a podium and a trophy. And you can race around the board collecting legendary MotoGP riders such as seven-time winner Valentino Rosito to add to your paddock of riders. I I kind of don't understand. Um, Anyway, but you give them grandstands and circuits to improve their value. And you'll never know what the paddock news or race regulation decks do. 
of, of, of course you do. It's Monopoly. But uh, MotoGP, uh, yay. I'm ca- I, you're saying collecting riders to add to your paddock makes me want a Great Western Trail version of MotoGP. <laughs> What taking your taking your motorcycle riders to the to the Rider races? Market? I don't know. <laughs> I was just listening to the last no pun included where they're talking about the second edition of Great Western Trail, and it got me thinking. <laughs> I don't know. Great Western Trail is like a, I know this is for something like Idle Thoughts, but Great Western Trail. I I understand that it's really good. I and I understand sometimes you know you need to look past the setting of a game, but it doesn't interest me taking cows to market. Admittedly, you know. Playing something like Cytosis, where I'm a cell biology, cell biology, that interests me. But that's because I'm weird. Anyway, everyone, thank you very much for listening. If you like what you listen to, then the best way to help us out is to share the podcast and drop us a review and rating on iTunes, or share any of our articles from the website. You can also follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. We are mostly active on Twitter these days. Uh, you can find our website at giantbrain.co.uk. Email us about anything in the show or news stories you'd like to see us cover at giantbrainuk at gmail.com. And the main place we talk to our community these days is our Discord. There'll be an invite link in the show notes, so do please come along and join us for games nights and various other activities on there. We hope to see you then. For now, bye-bye. Bye-bye. <laughs>